Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All the major sports are in action this week with college football playoffs ready to kick off. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website to get in on the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast. As always, appreciate you uh, listening in and, and making us one of the uh, highest ranked podcasts um, uh, around the world in sports law. And um, this is where we talk about uh, entertainment, uh, media, and sports law topics. And uh, once in a while, we'll have some guests on. Um, but for the most part, it's uh it's uh you to me and um you know having uh having a conversation about uh you know topics that uh, are of interest so this is episode 48 of season five we're getting towards the end of season five amazing that uh we've uh we're about to enter into season six um and um with ob obviously all appreciation to the believe network for um for having us on and of course to our sponsors uh but online and some of the other ones so um, that are mentioned throughout the show. But today we're talking about the contract that broke the internet. Um, so if you haven't been paying attention to sports news the last uh, week or so, basically with the lead up to free agency, um, and then of course uh, with the signing of um, Shohei Otani, uh, formerly with the Los Angeles Angels and now with the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, international uh, baseball player, phenom, um, and, uh, you know, Japanese baseball star now playing in the Major League Baseball. Uh, just a terrific, um, a terrific athlete, a two-way player who both uh, can pitch and hit um, and uh, is widely considered one of the best hitters in baseball and one of the best pitchers in baseball. I think the only thing holding him back at this point is that he can't do both things at the same time. Uh, meaning that uh, generally the way that the angels set him up on the staff, the pitching staff was that uh, he would pitch usually every sixth or seventh day would have a day off in between or, or before the day he would pitch and the day after that he pitched. And then he would be DHing the other times, but he's clearly valuable, clearly a, uh, you know, uh, somebody that, from a merchandise standpoint, um, is just very marketable. And being in a market like Los Angeles with the Dodgers and with their history in uh, Japanese and Korean and uh, and Asian players and Cuban players and Mexican-born players uh, with Fernando Valenzuela, Jackie Robinson, of course, you know, clearly uh, this is something that um, is uh, – is par for the course for the Dodgers and, and something that uh, we have been able to see 
sort of over the years. So in the lead up to this, of course, this is so interesting in a phenomenal situation because, you know, you take a guy like Shohei Otani, who, you know, by all measures, a pretty quiet person, somebody who sort of enjoys his privacy um, and uh, had had sort of worked with his agent uh, at CAA and had, you know, essentially made the commitment that they were going to be very quiet during um, the free agency process. And that there was even uh, an idea that maybe some teams might be penalized if they um, spoke out on sort of what the deal was or who was negotiating, what have you. And so throughout the week, you had uh, rumors being spread. You know, you um, had at one point you had, you know, certain teams talking to him, whether that was the Mets or um, the Giants or the, you know, the Yankees or other teams in terms of, um, you know, money uh, in terms of uh, not in terms of money in terms of dollars, but in terms of who was going to put who was going to put the money up, you know, who was going to actually, um, you know, sign a player of uh, of Otani's caliber. And there was even the rumor that somehow he was on a plane, but that turned out to be a Shark Tank um, 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 host uh, that had left the uh, uh, Orange County, Newport Beach area. Uh, and had flown to Toronto, and there was some, you know, thought that maybe that Otani might be the person on that plane. So very, very interesting, right? How this all played out, and of course, the next thing you know, Otani's posting on his Instagram account that he had signed with the Dodgers in a very sort of heartfelt um, approach to this. And of course, this week we heard that the San Francisco Giants uh, offered a similar contract. Uh, there was even reports that maybe it, the contract was even larger. And I think that possibly if if teams had sort of had the wherewithal, if you will, the Dodgers are you know run by a financial management firm in Guggenheim, and um, in terms of that's who their owners are, the majority owners. They've also got Magic Johnson and some other owners in that group too. But you know the reality of it is, is they do have the smarts, right? They have the this financial analysis where they can look at things like deferring a contract, which we'll get into in depth on this podcast. But what I find fascinating is is sort of maybe if other teams had known about this, uh, maybe they would have bid as well. The problem is, is that, yes, there is these deferments, but eventually the Dodgers are going to have to pay, you know, that money at a later period of date, uh, right? And so it's not as easy as just deferring salary. Eventually you have to pay, Um and, and so you've never know the future either, you know, if the team was ever in a financial problem or it wasn't, you know, just, just very little ago, you know, 10, 10, 12 years ago, uh, that Frank McCourt had the Dodgers in, uh, you know, bankruptcy. Now it wasn't because the Dodgers were broke. It was that, you know, he was going through a divorce and they were going through a contract negotiation with Spectrum. And, you know, ultimately there were some claims that maybe some money was trying to be used from the the spectrum deal to um, to pay off uh, whatever money was owed uh, to his wife in that divorce. So there there was a lot going on there. Of course, Frank McCourt still owns the uh, parking lots at uh, Dodger Stadium or Chavez Ravine. So where are we at with this deal? Well, first of all, let's back up a little bit. Uh, this is the largest contract in total dollar amount in North American sports history. It's 10 years and $700 million. Um, an astronomical number 
But if you break this down from the standpoint that Shohei Otani is, you know, equally and arguably the best hitter and best pitcher in Major League Baseball, he's literally fulfilling two roles. So he got two salaries. Now you can make the argument that, you know, he's injured this year. He's had, you know, um, you know, arm surgery. And there was some question about that, whether it was actually Tommy John or if it was something different. It sound it sounds like it was not Tommy John, but it was a um a lesser surgery. But either way, he's gonna be out for the 2024 season uh for pitching purposes. Obviously, he can still hit. So he deferred this salary um with the point that he wanted to be able to have the Dodgers recruit in more players. And of course, if you have a $70 million salary on the books per year for 10 years, you're clearly going to be limited. So he deferred $68 million of it. Um, so he'll be paid $2 million a year. And then between 2034 to 2043, which is the year after his 10-year um, contract ends, he will be paid $68 million a year. So, um, and of course, there are some other issues there with the competitive balance balance tax and um, the salary tax and that sort of thing, uh, luxury tax, I should say, with Major League Baseball. I think as it turns out, the way that it's calculated is it it's about $46 million a year towards the uh, CBT, um, which is obviously, you know, significantly less than $70 million. So, but obviously a uh, very large amount. And, um, you know, uh, clearly uh, going to have a budget effect on the Dodgers. Because even though, you know, people would say that, oh, well, the Dodgers have, you know, unlimited money. That's not necessarily true. Uh, no franchise or business has unlimited money. You have responsibilities, um, you know, not that the Dodgers are in this way, but, you know, with your shareholders or with your owners, you know, you have, uh, with the Dodgers specifically, with their owners, you have responsibilities. You have responsibilities to your fan base. You can't go out and spend, um, you know, you have to balance the team, right? It, it's And of course, if you look at the history of, of baseball, it's really been the most successful teams have been the ones that have found a balance between spending money and developing players. You look at the Yankees uh, in the early, um, uh, you know, the early, uh, or I guess this would be what, 96 to 2000 uh, when they won four World Series. You know, that was a mix of, um, talent that they developed from within and also a mix of players that they drafted. So, you know, the Derek Jeters, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, these were all guys that they brought up through the system, right? Uh, and of course, they brought in some other pieces to help, you know, benefit that. And of course, large market teams, you know, clearly have more advantage in this regard. And this is why there's a lot of private association rules uh, within sports. So you have the luxury tax or salary caps or, you lose draft picks if you spend a certain amount of money. You get taxed at a higher rate if you spend a certain amount of money. You know, this sort of thing, right? So the Dodgers were trying to avoid this. And uh, with a lot of the contracts coming off the books, after the 2023 season, the Dodgers had money to spend. And of course, in many ways, they were waiting. They were pretty quiet last offseason, signed a few players. It actually turned out to be very good for them, one including J.D. Martinez, Um and you can make the argument that um, offensively the numbers were similar. Um, obviously, batting average was higher for Otani, and Otani was also the MVP of the American League. Um, whereas JD Drew, um, you know, had a lower batting average, but uh, had more home runs, more RBIs, 
And um, the difference here, though, is that you know J.D. Drew is in his mid-30s and uh, Otani is 29. Um, so, you know, when you're looking at a 10-year contract, you're not going to obviously op offer a 10-year contract to J.D. Martinez. He was on a, a one-year prove-it deal, if you will. Um, you know, but people were making the argument that maybe they should have brought in um, – you know, J.D. Martinez, but when you have an opportunity to sign a guy like Otani, which we'll break down here in a second, I think that, uh, you know, they, the Dodgers made a good decision, and there was clearly other teams that were going after him uh, that did not land him uh, that I'm sure are uh, not happy about that. And if you recall, Otani was actually recruited to the Dodgers six years ago before he signed with the Angels when he came out of the uh, Japanese League. And uh, I, there was a story where Clayton Kershaw had flown back from a mission trip in Africa to meet with Otani to try to help convince him with the Dodgers leadership to join the Dodgers. Ultimately, Otani chose the Angels. And of course, the Angels for the last six years have had the two best players in baseball between Mike Trout and Otani. And it's really a travesty to the fan base that um, they were not able to, um, you know, really make make an effort effort of it in terms of getting into the playoffs or um and in many ways i think because the rest of the team surrounding them even though they had some talent pitching was always a problem uh it was a situation where they not only didn't make the playoffs but it, they weren't filling the stands you know either and um i think a lot of those things are about to change particularly for the dodgers and we'll see where the angels go with all this but in focus with otani you know, again, the deal was for 10, 10 years and $700 million. $68 million of that is deferred to be paid over 10 years between 2034 and 2043. Tony will be paid $2 million a year for the next 10 years. Now, he is going to make somewhere between, uh, I would say, 30 to possibly $70 million in additional revenue per year for sponsorships. The Dodgers are also going to add significant dollars because a lot of Japanese companies and really other companies are going to want to come in uh, to sponsor uh, the team uh, because of Otani and because of what he's going to bring to the table. And arguably, you could say that Otani and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman are the, if you know, three of the best top three in any lineup in baseball. Historically, we'll see how that plays out. Clearly, their stats in the past. Uh, would show that they're historically three of the best to come together. We'll see how they perform together. And if we're breaking this down, this is kind of the way that I look at this. If Otani is injured and loses significant time over the life of this contract, um, which there's some facts to that, you know, you you know, he he's never played in 160 uh, two games in a season. Um, you know, but of course he's played played in 155. He played in 152. You know, um, he's had some injury. Of course, uh, this is his second surgery on his arm. The, he's already had one Tommy John surgery. Uh, the statistics on somebody coming back from that uh, are pretty low. Uh, there's been some talk about you know maybe he would only be a full time DH. Maybe he would play some outfield. Um, we'll see. Um, you know, I think that uh, Otani is probably motivated. I'm sure he's motivated. The fact that he deferred that much salary so the team could be more uh, successful around him, uh, I think, uh, speaks volumes. I think people, when they speak of Otani, they speak of his character, his clubhouse leadership. Um, 
you know, I think there's just a lot of reasons why he was a great, he's a great player and a great player in Los Angeles and for the franchise. So, you know, it's, it it's interesting, but again, if he loses significant time, there's going to be some calls for, you know, why such a large contract was given. Right. Of course, a lot of these things are done in, you know, hindsight and, you know, um, you know, people are looking back and sort of playing Tuesday morning quarterback, but the, you know, at the time it's like clearly Otani is the best player and the Dodgers signed him to the, the best contract. You know, when you break it down that way. Now, when you're comparing this to, let's say like a Bobby Bonilla deal or, or really a host of other players, there's a great article that I read on, um, I think it was ESPN recently or CBS sports that was talking about, uh, Bobby Bonilla and, uh, some of the other deferred contracts that are out there. So Bobby Bonilla's contract um, will continue until 2035. Uh, and this was a contract that was signed, um, you know, really back um, in in uh, uh, 1991. And it was a five-year contract for $29 million. He hasn't played since 2001. Um, and he gets paid one, basically almost two, uh, about $1.19 million per year. And it's on the same date every year on July 1st. And people call it Bobby Bonilla Day. Um, but that's 24-year contract. This, of course, with Otani be a 10-year payoff, right? Which I think is very smart because you get it done, you know, in a quicker period of time. But this is not the only deferred payment. For example, Ken Griffey Jr., is paid $3.6 million per year from the Cincinnati Reds. That's been going on since 2009 and will, will complete in 2024. Manny Ramirez um, has been paid $2 million a year since 2011, and that goes in through 2026, the Boston Red Sox. The St. Louis Cardinals pay uh, Matt Holliday um, his deferred salary in 2020. He gets $1.5 million a year into the 2029. And then the Orioles pay... Chris Davis, $3.5 million annually to, to, through 2032. Um, he'll also get another $1.7 million a year from uh, 2033, 2037. The Mets pay Brett Saberhagen $250,000 a year, and they've been doing that since 2004. That goes through 2028. The Red Sox will, will pay uh, Rafael Devers, who's a current player, $7.5 million a year um, annually. Uh, 2034, 2043, uh, actually, oddly enough, the same years as the, the Dodgers, uh, contract to Otani, uh, that's 11, that was an 11 year, 330 million, 30, 30, 330, $31 million contract that included 75 million in deferments all to say that this is not something new. This is something that's been done before. Um, obviously a large, very, very large amount. Those previous amounts were, you know, two hundred fifty thousand to three or four million dollars. Now we're talking about sixty-eight million dollars. But look, at the end of the day, from the Dodgers' management standpoint, you know this—you know—the money is there. The deferments worked for them and for Otani. And Otani is probably the one player right now that would demand such a salary. And indeed, the market proved that. Now, here's the other side to this, though. It's not just the statistics and what Otani brings on the field. Otani as a marketing source is phenomenal. Uh, from a merchandise standpoint, ticket sales standpoint, television views uh, to where 
you know, currently Major League Baseball is going to be looking for an, another streamer as the Peacock deal uh, through ESPN, or sorry, um, NBC uh, comes to an end. So when streamers are looking at this and they're saying, okay, well, what do the streaming numbers look like? Otani's clearly going to add to this, right? And of course, it's going to help the Dodgers. Uh, it's going to help Major League Baseball, particularly if they're looking to add uh, more streaming or broadcasting. And um, that's going to help, obviously, offset the contract price, right? The merchandise alone it is going to be um, in the millions and millions of dollars. I mean, we're talking um, at least $200 million uh, in terms of merchandise, ticket sales, and everything else. So clearly lots of money. And that's like in year one, right? You know, of course, they win a World Series. If they have significant success, if Otani continues to pitch, um, and this is not to say what other moves the Dodgers do make. Um, and of course, depending on how the rest of the division does, then the division is also really good and there's some epic battles between the teams. Great. So it is interesting that the Dodgers open against the Padres in Seoul, South Korea in March, 2024, um, similar to the way the Dodgers opened in Australia and way other teams have opened in other overseas markets. But in some sense, it's kind of the perfect beginning to the Otani era, even though Otani is Japanese. Um, and the Dodgers have a, a a long history of Japanese players. It's it's sort of becoming that uh, the game would begin in Asia with Otani. Uh, and of course, Otani, look, he continues uh, a long line of Asian stars for the Dodgers, something that's in their history. You know, you've got Hideo Nomo, who's Japanese. You've got Chano Park. Uh, you've got Hiroki Kuroda, Takashi Saito, Kenta Maeda, Hung Ching Kuo, who is um, Taiwanese. And of course, Chano Park was Korean. And then, of course, even though it was via trade, um, you had Yu Darvish for a period of time, who's uh, uh, Persian and Japanese. So uh, very interesting. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, you've got you know Jackie Robinson, who broke the color barrier and known for his sort of high character and you know Hall of Fame uh, baseball skills. Um, Hideo Nomo opened the door for Japanese players uh, and, and other Asian ball players and was was really um, uh, significant. I mean, you know, award winning, uh, if I recall correctly, rookie of the year, uh, had a no hitter. I mean, this is, um, you know, really had some serious success with that fork ball. And of course, he had a resurgence in his career a little bit later on. Um, and of course, his famous windup, right, where he kind of would put his back, his back would be facing home plate during his windup. And of course, Yasiel Puig, regardless of how you feel about him, he clearly opened up Cuban baseball, um, and more Cubans began to sign after that, uh, whether that would be as as professionals or as um, um, amateurs, and and bringing them in through a minor league system to bring them into the professional system. It, of course, highlighted the uh, dangerous prospects of traveling from Cuba to Mexico to the United States and uh, some of the stories that came out about that and the craziness of of um, of, uh, of traveling as a Cuban baseball player, getting out of uh, a communist country um, and, and some of the issues that were that were there. So, of course, look, I mean, this is nothing new. The Dodgers historically have you know never shied away from signing any ball player from anywhere. It was really just about talent and uh, and character, um, you know. Obviously, um, you know, as these as you have scouts go out and you have front office personnel go out, you know, it's one of those things where you've 
you know, you've got a, um, there's probably a balance in the decision-making as to what's the character, what's the talent level, you know, what can you manage that sort of stuff. But I think Otani is really just, uh, one of the, just obviously a significant ball player, but, um, a ball player in, in this realm of, um, you know, not only is he great, but he also brings in serious revenue on the merchandise side, clearly going to open up some serious opportunity. And from what's been reported, um, you know, a terrific individual as well. And somebody that, um, you know, cares about his teammates. So we'll see. It's fascinating. Uh, clearly the contract is something that broke the internet. Uh, this was something that was all over social media and, uh, was made, a was made a very big deal and is still being talked about, uh, you know, as we record this podcast. So as always folks, appreciate you listening in. And, um, this episode has been brought to you by bet online. I'm Jeremy Evans. This is the California Sports Lawyer Podcast, where we talk about uh, entertainment, media, and uh, sports topics. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you. It truly means the world that um, that uh, you folks are listening in. And um, we'll look forward to uh, being back with you, um, you know, next week. So uh, thank you so much, and uh, happy holidays.